Today we are going to break down one of the most persistent, insidious, and dangerous lies that many of us are led to believe about God. We are going to break down the lie that when we sin, God somehow turns against us. That when we sin, we lose the love of God. But in order to get there, we have to start with a whole lot of biblical theology. In our first reading, God appears to be angry at the Israelites for their act of idolatry. So angry, in fact, that he wants to destroy them and start over. So angry that Moses has to beg the Lord to change his mind. It is from an uncritical reading of stories like this that we become convinced that God would turn against us and hate us for our sin. But we know from Jesus and Christian theology that this is not how God works. So how do we deal with this first reading? What we cannot do is reject the Old Testament. This is a heresy that has gone by many names, but the earliest version from the mid-2nd century was called Marcionism. Marcion believed that the God of the New Testament was the only true God, that the God of the Old Testament was a lesser, wrathful God, and that the only valid biblical books were the Gospel of Luke and the Epistles of Paul. The early church rejected this heresy because Jesus himself preached the validity of the Hebrew scriptures and the veracity of God's revelation to the people of Israel. Every book of the Bible comes from God and reflects the truth of who God is. The solution to the problem of our first reading can only be found when we realize that According to our Catholic faith, the Bible is both a divine and a human document. On the one hand, God himself is the source of biblical revelation, and every word of the Bible is true, insofar as every word of the Bible reveals a truth about God. On the other hand, God chose to communicate this revelation through human authors, who wrote their books using their own knowledge, skills, and understandings. It is this human aspect of biblical authorship that often trips us up. God did not possess these human authors and dictate every individual word to them. Instead, he inspired them with important truths about himself, And these authors used different literary structures and genres to convey these truths. We will always misinterpret the Bible if we only settle for a shallow reading of the words on the page. Instead, we have to ask complicated questions about the culture and the era in which these books were written, so that we can try to get into the head of the human author and understand the particular truths which these authors intended to communicate. 
To take the most obvious example then, we would say that the intention of the author of the book of Genesis was not to provide a scientific, physical account of the creation of the world. Instead, the intention of this author was to use a literary structure common at the time to convey incredibly important truths about the nature of God. Namely, that God is the origin and the source of all things, that God created the universe according to an ordered plan, and that human beings were created especially in the image of God. So, to return to our first reading, a few notes might help us better understand the intention of the author of the book of Exodus. Note number one. Comparing the biblical timeline to what we know from archaeology and other historical sources, the events described in the book of Exodus would most likely have occurred in the 13th century B.C. But the book of Exodus itself was likely not written down until the 6th century B.C. Say what you will about the ability of ancient people to preserve oral histories, but a 700-year gap between event and written record is a very strong indication that the intention of the human author of Exodus was not to present a literal historical account of events. Even if the seed of these stories was an historical event that was retold through the centuries, every retelling of this event was going to be marked and shaped by the contemporary concerns and understandings of the generations that retold it. Note number two. The watershed event of the 6th century BC that triggered the book of Exodus to be written down was the Babylonian exile. The city of Jerusalem had been conquered by the Babylonian Empire, and the Jewish leaders were all sent away to Babylon. Most scholars believe that the book of Exodus, along with the rest of the Pentateuch, was an attempt by the theologians of the time to understand this horrific tragedy by revisiting and retelling the history of Israel. Note number three. The problem with monotheism is that if there is only one God, that God must be the source of everything, good and bad. In order to adhere strictly to their monotheistic beliefs, the Jewish authors of the Old Testament often depicted God as a punishing or vengeful God, because they had observed clearly that sin has consequences and they felt compelled to portray God as the source of those consequences. Because if there are consequences, and there is only one God, that one God must be the source. In a sense, they were correct, though Christian theology would modify this to say that God never desires the consequences of sin, though he sometimes allows us to experience these consequences in order to prompt our conversion. Even when the Old Testament portrays God as punishing, it still also portrays him as benevolent, because the biblical accounts always show how God's punishments are oriented toward bringing about repentance and conversion, and that God is willing to show mercy when his people return to him. 
So what does all of this tell us about our first reading? It tells us that the intention of the author of the book of Exodus was not to tell us that God is an angry and vengeful God. Instead, the truth of God that is conveyed to us in this reading is that idolatry, the same idolatry that caused the Babylonian exile, idolatry is a grave offense that cuts us off from God entirely, but that God will show mercy if we only ask for it. Now, back to the lie that God turns against us when we sin. Jesus knew very well that the Old Testament could easily be misinterpreted or misused, and that he needed to re-emphasize the deepest truths being revealed in the great stories of God and Israel. This is why he tells us the parables about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. God never stopped seeking Israel, just as the shepherd, the woman, and the father never stopped seeking what they had lost. So what happens in these parables? Is the sheep punished or abandoned because it has strayed? No, it is sought and rejoiced over. Is the coin forgotten because it has been lost? No, the woman turns over her entire house just trying to find it. And is the prodigal son exiled, ostracized, or belittled because of the great insult to his father and the horrific waste of his inheritance? No, he is received as though he had never left. Of course, this is not to say that there was not suffering in the interim. After the son had strayed from his father, he experienced destitution, affliction, and abandonment. Not because his father punished him, but because his choices themselves removed him from all that was good and loving. This is the effect of sin. We are damaged by sin cut off from God and others, made to suffer in a cruel and difficult world. This suffering does not come from a cruel and vengeful God, but from the fact that we have removed ourselves from the God who loves us infinitely. God never, ever turns away from us, and when we finally realize how much we need him, And when we finally turn back to him, we will see that he has been waiting for us to return the entire time. So if you feel like the prodigal son, if you feel spent, exhausted, hungry, alone, and cut off from your Father in heaven, if you feel like you have sinned so gravely that God has turned against you, that God will never take you back, know that you are wrong. Know that this is a lie from the devil. Your sin has only turned you against yourself. God has been seeking after you this entire time, with the same desperation as the shepherd, the woman, and the father. God has never given up on you, 
And he has scoured the entire world trying to win you back. All you have to do is return to him with repentance and conversion, with a humble heart open to grace. And he will receive you back with incredible rejoicing as his son or his daughter that he thought had been lost but now has been found.